0: Welcome to Changing the Channel with Joe Garner, a show about shifting our individual and collective beliefs on what is possible for the future of humanity. As our understanding of how our reality continues to shift, we are at a point of reunification between science and spirituality. What does the world look like when we break free from the generational trauma that has kept most humans playing small for thousands of years and step into our full power as the co-creators of this reality? I always ask that you keep an open mind with this podcast. Ask yourself, what resonates with my truth at this time and what does not? Respect your intuition, but see if you can get through the whole show because there might be that little nugget buried deep in the conversation that unlocks something for you. Welcome back to Changing the Channel. Today, we've got a fun topic on community. I'm joined by Tyler Stamball, where we met back in one of the oldest American communities in existence, the college fraternity. There, we were surrounded by like-minded individuals with similar goals and aspirations. Today, Tyler is helping build community with Web3 applications. So welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey,
1: Joe. Great to be here. And yeah. this is going to be really exciting. I'm super pumped.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for for coming on. I'm glad. I'm glad we made a connection. There was a text message thread that we're both in, and I was sharing. I was starting a podcast, and Tyler was Doing a podcast, he was on a podcast, so it all it just kind of fell right into place. So, um, yeah, let's talk about our first community, the uh, American fraternity. Let's do it. So, um, you and I both met at the University
1: of Delaware. We were both in the fraternity uh, Sigma Phi Epsilon. Um, it's really interesting. I think college is one of those seminal times where you know you're leaving the nest, you're figuring everything out. And I think yeah. that's where the need for a community is probably the most important, right? Because you've left your existing community and your goal is to go out and find, whether you know it or not, like, like-minded like people that you can connect with, right? So you go to school to learn the skills, but what are you going to do with the rest of the time when you're there? And so, you know, you and I both joined, I think we joined in different- uh, You were a, a class before me, I think. Something like that, Yeah. yeah. But what you quickly come to realize, you know, on the surface, you think of a fraternity and it's like, oh, partying, girls, drinking, like all of that stuff. And we're not gonna lie to you here, like that was definitely going on and it was a lot of fun, right? There's a lot of discovery, social skills are built. But um, that was what, like 20, 25% of the time? Right. The rest of the time, it's, it's a lot of bonding and getting to know the other people and having a shared set of values, right? And in this particular fraternity, it was the, it was the balanced man. Sound mind, sound body, and it was about just bringing the best of yourself every day across multiple aspects of life. I think it was really powerful about app for us that helped us all bond. And I think there's a group of like fifteen of us that still like regularly talk. Like we're connected with. We have kids now. Like everyone hangs out, right? It was really something special. Um, and I think it's because um, in something like a fraternity, you're creating a community where bonds are created, emotional bonds. It's not transactional. It's not one of these things where, you know, I'm I'm in it so I can like play a game or something like that. Like you you really do get with the rituals and all that stuff into a deeper level. Um, and so as I've gone on my life and my journey, I've started to look at that experience in a very different way as I've been more exposed to like the true like discovery and concept of community. Something that sits in all of us underneath the surface. When you start to really zoom out and look at what a community is, I immediately thought like holy crap our fraternity experience was like an epitome of community actually and so that was a really interesting realization I've had recently.
0: Yeah yeah that's fascinating and I think I think that it's it's an understatement to say that that you know we we joined the uh fraternity just to party and to drink and to you know have a place to have a good time like we were I I was certainly looking for a group of of people who who were more aligned with with me than the people I had met on my freshman year dorm. I mean that's that's the other community that you join when you go to college. It's like okay, the the community is based on the people that you live the closest to, the proximity to those people. Right. And if you don't find exactly what you're looking for there, then you can go out and you can find it in other different places and some people join Clubs. Some people join sports teams. Some people join fraternities. And again, these are all just communities that exist for for like minded individuals, people who who have a a natural draw towards these types of communities. And and we found you know that community in Sigap, and other yeah. people found it in different places. I want to take a minute from the show to share how you can support changing the channel. The show is my passion project, and if you feel called to support. The best place to start is by subscribing and sharing the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Next would be to check out my website in the show notes, where you can become a VIP of the show and get exclusive content not available anywhere else. Finally, you can engage with the Q&A and polls to have direct say in the direction of the show. I am forever thankful for your support. And now, back to the show. Let's talk about a little bit of... The many iterations of communities that you've done since then. I know you've yeah. you've had a couple different ways, and and community has shown up in your life in several different ways. So walk us through a little bit of that progression.
1: Yeah. So for the last fifteen years, not including this past year, I lived the uh, the corporate life. Right, where i like got out of school, worked at a bank, then I went to a consulting firm, um, and those experiences were important for developing me in a certain way. But when I look back at that time, there are a couple other sentimental moments that were like really important for part of my development that I didn't realize at the time. And a lot of them stem from community, right? And so one of them that I was doing that I didn't realize I was doing is that, um, Joe, as you know, I love playing video games. I'm halfway decent at it. And uh, there came a time, I guess it's like six or seven years ago now, um, where I was like, hey, you know, some people are like streaming video games. Like this is kind of cool. Um, the people I was playing with, they kind of just like fell off and I was playing by myself at night and I was like, eh, I might as well share this with someone, right? So I turned on the camera and we started going and I built out over the course of a year, like uh, 750 followers on Twitch. I had uh, a group of people that were like very loyal, like regular 25 viewers a, a stream. Um, and what I didn't realize though, was that I was creating a community and the shared value or thing that they were all bonding on was like, my space where i was facilitating an entertaining environment where they could also interact with one another and so what i would do was if you've never been on twitch like you go on you click on the streamer you want to watch and then it's basically like a live streaming platform right and but you could interact and chat and so what i would do is and i would push people from the stream to a discord which is kind of like a chat room server um and then from there i'm able to communicate with them outside the hours of my stream and what i was doing um, I just thought I was like, great, I can get people, I can like notify people when I'm going live in a different way so that way they come. But what I ended up doing is I started getting, like creating bonds with these people, right? And like, we started talking about more than just the stream. We're talking about Star Wars and, and like food and this and that, right? And I fostered this beautiful thing. I had people from like, I had like a, I still remember this guy, Sam. He was like, when I started streaming, it was this 15 year old kid from the Netherlands and he was like my number one fan. And then on the other spectrum, I have this woman who was literally like a 40 year old house mom who would wake up in the morning and watch me and like love playing video games as well. And so like, we didn't have like an archetype. It was just like, it wasn't demographic, right? Mm. It was about shared interest in that point, okay? And so uh, I was able to like promote people within the community and make them feel like they had ownership and all of a sudden you've got this kind of vibrant thing going around. And I have to tell you, when I stopped doing it, it felt like a little piece of me died, right? Because I felt like I was letting people down. I had my first son. I didn't have the time to do it anymore along the time with my full-time job, which paid the rent. Um, but it was really powerful. I was loving every second of it. And I was waking up at 5 in the morning every day. And I am not a morning person. But I was, like, jumped right out of bed. I was pumped. I was energized. Like, it was actually quite magical, right? So that was one point of community. I'm actually wearing a shirt right now of a second community. It's called DreamDAO. And this is more related to Web3, which kind of segues into what I'm doing today or like was kind of a pathway where I got to today. And so DreamDAO is an organization that is a spinoff or an extension of an organization called Civics Unplugged, um, which is a 501c3. I said that right. Um, organization that's basically helping to train the next generation of civic leaders. So they take Gen Z mm-hmm. and they put them through a cohort program. Um, that ends with like, you know, events of meeting everyone in person and they teach them about government and politics and how they can get involved and they'll fund projects for them um, where they can like make an impact locally. And they've had a lot of success. And so what they did was, hey, like this Web3 thing, NFTs, crypto, no one's teaching this stuff. We do think it can have valuable social implications when used the right way. So forget the speculative number go up fraud stuff going on, like the concept of digital identity and all these other kind of traceability things could have a lot of social good. And that's a rabbit hole we could go down. But the whole concept was take that model, shift it over into the Web3 way, right? And so instead of like signing up and being in a database, you would get an NFT. And that NFT was an anchor that we could all prove like, oh, do you own your NFT? Yeah, here we go. Oh, you're in the dream now, right? And they create a curriculum of education. And we brought in really interesting people still do to this day. And that was, like, a true community built for community. And the the thing about community is you have to start with a default setting where you have a leader who creates that community, right? And then, like, brings and puts the lieutenants around them, like, people rise up. But the real community, if you can really do it right, which is what DreamDAO did, I think, very well, is you take that figurehead and they kind of just, like, fade into the background and everything keeps running, right? Like, there always needs to be a spark. But once you take the figurehead and you fade them into the background, that's when you know you have something real. And they keep going. I think they're on the like fourth season right now of like bringing in new people. Um, And that to me then again taught, again, you have people globally all over the world, the demographics across the board, just interested in understanding this new technology and applying it to social good, right? So very powerful things. And again, in this digital world, we have the capability to bring people together from everywhere to create that global citizen, right? Um, And instead of just being like defined by the nation, the physical nation we're in, right? It's this concept of almost like network states where like you have these like nations up here that are kind of like different affinities and communities and that are like overlapping what's going on on like the the terrestrial world, right? I don't know if that sounds like too crazy or wild, but like that's kind of, what we unlock with all of this technology that's coming out, right? And I, yeah, I think it's and that, really
0: powerful. That seems to be uh, a way that the world could go is definitely mm-hmm. this this fully decentralized. So decentralized in a physical aspect. It's not in one yeah. physical location, right? It's across the world. It's it's attracting people who are aligned with that mission, that purpose, that that drive, whatever that is. And again, I think as we get out of this purposeless economy the the only purpose being monetary gain, mm-hmm. maximizing shareholder value, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and we move to a a more purposeful driven economy. so uh, from my perspective, any company that doesn't have a purpose that 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 is you know at a, a little bit higher level than just making money if you right. don't have that purpose in the next 10 years, you're You're going to fall behind all the companies that have this innate purpose, this innate drive, because yes. it, it does two things: not only do you get employee buy in like bar none beyond any other you know way beyond salary, way beyond uh you know just this this kind of loosey goosey hey, you're a part of a team kind of thing, I'm sure people at you know the former we're a companies family here right yeah like the, that kind the of the people stuff, at right? the former companies you work for it was like oh yeah we're a big we're a big family but if you don't meet your numbers you're fired next week it's like yeah, okay exactly. yeah what kind of family says that so um you know you get you got buy-in from your customer or your uh your employees but then you also have a pure buy-in from the customer aspect mm-hmm. as well and, and it it also goes all the way out to every stakeholder involved so even even the companies that you do B2B business with, if you have that purpose and they're like, I align with that purpose, they're not going to nickel and dime you. They're going to say, hey, what you guys need, you're doing awesome. We're going we're gonna to make sure that you have exactly what you need. And it becomes this like less transactional system and it becomes a, okay, let the money flows to where the purposes are. And if you have a good purpose and you want to start a business around that the money is going to come to you. And if you Mm -hmm. don't have that good purpose, if you have a lackluster purpose, or again, if you've just never thought of your purpose, your only purpose is to, I need to make money to pay for rent or to buy a house or to get the next car or whatever that is, those businesses are going to continue to fall behind, especially as the information that is available to everyone becomes more ubiquitous, especially Mm -hmm. when we start to and I think this is kind of where we're moving towards as a as a business society is this more open source idea is the idea that, you know, there there is no um, hidden knowledge from outside of the the corporation. It's like, OK, we yeah. we made this. Yes, we'll make a little bit of money. And, and I kind of I like the idea of the, the the patent approach where it's, you know, 17 years you get to make money. I think that needs to shorten way way down maybe a couple years of being that leader but at that point like you said once once that technology has made has has made it has become this this uh standalone process yeah. that those people that created it they step out they they kind of dissolve exactly. away from it and it becomes this um public you know, good
1: almost in a sense right a
0: public good exactly it becomes this public thing and not in not in the public sense that the US government owns it or right, the the right. Russian government owns it or NATO mm-hmm. or the UN own it. It's like this is actually a public good. And that's what yeah. the 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 cryptocurrency, the, the decentralized aspect of web three does. Nobody it does. owns it. No yeah. one owns it. You you own a piece of it if you buy into it, but nobody owns the totality of it.
1: Correct. And I think um it is a huge paradigm shift in people's minds. And it certainly doesn't help that every, that 95% of the use cases you hear about are the negative ones, which of course get picked up by the media because the negative ones get the clicks and everything like that. But there's a lot of really amazing stuff going on underneath the covers. I won't go into all of it, but you really have this concept of open source. Anyone can tap into it, right? And also at the same time, you also have transparency. You have encrypted transparency, right? Where I'm not seeing like all your information, your social security and all of that stuff. But I can start to see and understand like how people are interacting with things because it's on this public like database. Instead of going to Oracle and saying, I'm going to pay you X amount a month, to, like create a database where I'm going to store all my information. You're basically storing all the information up here. Now, why would you have never done that before? Well, because if you have all the information open everyone, they can see everything. But with blockchain, what we can do is we can actually that's why it's called cryptocurrency. We can encrypt the data that we don't want people to see and give permission to specific people to get access to certain data, right? Which you can control like in your own way that you build out, right? So I, I don't want to go too technical, but like there are a lot of really amazing societal implications for all of this. I think digital identity is a fantastic one. So the UN had, and they maybe still have this initiative. It was called UN 2020. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to create a digital identity signature for every single person in the world. And it's not to be big brother to track them and do X, Y, Z. But I, I don't know if this stat is right. You'll have to check me on it. But like, it was something like a billion people like weren't accounted for in terms of like what country they're from, like from a refugee stamp. And maybe they say like, I'm from this country, but their, their papers are like long gone. You can't find it to verify it and all that stuff, right? So think about like birth certificates. Like if we issued you a birth certificate, and it was like an on-chain thing in a shared database encrypted, like, great, I don't have to know it's you necessarily, you can have the credentials to access that, right? But I'll at least know like, oh, there were two million people that were born in this region in this time period to this time period. Like, and, and I, I can, and if you're the UN, like you want to try to understand and then like, oh, someone doesn't have a home, like let's go find that and do it. Or like, oh, this person, is a refugee and claims they don't have a home, but we can trace it back and then we can start to negotiate with that country and figure it out, right? And so that's the powerful stuff that if you want to do it today without that technology, you're talking about just like tons of operational, like updating databases, doing this and that. And the way the technology works is it's a lot more automated because it's a shared data structure. And then you just program in like, oh, when this happens, then then this transaction occurs type stuff, right? So. I always try to avoid to get too technical with this stuff, but it is really important to understand that it is a true, like it's a true paradigm shift in thinking about how uh, we kind of build systems, right? Right. Um, and so that infrastructure is still being built. I'm I'm very bullish on the future, here.
0: and that's where we are in humanity. I think we're in this mm. massive paradigm shift. Again, we're moving away from being these individual parts. We're all we're yeah. from from at least the last 5000 years we've all kind of viewed ourselves as single human beings right we were we were the amalgamation of all the cells and all the organs and all the thought processes in our body but we only got to that top level it's like mm-hmm. this is we're at the pinnacle of existence that was the common paradigm mm-hmm. for a lot of the last 5000 years yeah and now we're moving into this this idea that that there's something that's that's transcendental of this that's that's transcending out of all these different parts as we come together and we become this more unified this more uh harmonious group of beings instead of fighting against each other for what what has been considered limited resources we're now right. working together to create total abundance in every aspect of our life and that doesn't mean abundance in we all are millionaires and right. but Inflation keeps up with it, and actually, if you're a millionaire, you're technically poor. It's like abundance in literally access to anything that you need to progress yourself as a human individual, right? Like just full access to everything. If you want to mm. go into the medical field, there you don't have to go to school for you know for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for undergrad, and then two hundred fifty thousand for for postgrad and all of this stuff like there's there's systems in place that allow us to um make that system a little bit easier and i think yeah. as as using the medical field just as a for instance, I think we're also that paradigm shift is moving from from a transactional approach to hey, let's treat the symptoms until the symptoms go away. And we're actually moving into a more holistic approach, which yeah. is is the proper way that we should be doing things. And again, you know, uh, there's science behind the whole holistic approach to everything. Like the science is literally there. It's just not out into the common knowledge of the public yet. It's It's not being portrayed in a way the same way that the you know, the for-profit aspect of the healthcare system is being portrayed to everybody else. But again, the more ubiquitous this information becomes, the easier it makes the decision for everyone um, to decide, okay, am I going to treat the symptoms or am I going to treat this in a more holistic approach? And we've got more and more and more holistic approaches to the healthcare system, which are, make access to it a little bit easier. There's also the idea that you could use this Web three technology to continue to increase this this uh, access to it, where mm-hmm. you know, a holistic somebody who has a, a a holistic approach to, let's say, healthcare is able to create a community and share that information with that community and not, you know, we don't all have to fly to Seattle to go to this convention. It's like it's online you, you know, you, maybe they, they get a, you know, you get a token for attending that. And that token represents, correct. Hey, I gained the knowledge for this system. And then, you know, that, that takes this 10 year system that costs half a million dollars to go through. And it takes it into, maybe it costs $50,000 and that, that buy-in to that system, that token is far less restrictive so
1: just so you're you're really tapping into a concept that we batted around a lot when we were first starting um magnetic and it was um this concept of an on-chain resume right and when i say on-chain i mean on the blockchain right up here again and it's this whole thing where like if you everyone thinks the word nft and they probably if they're familiar with it they think of like digital artwork, like pictures of monkeys that are going for like, you know, $300,000, like blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. But an NFT at its, at its core nature is just another piece of technology. They happen to co-opt it for a very consumer accessible use case, which was the use case in digital art, right? Um, but if you think about it, like an NFT could be a diploma from a university. In fact, it would be incredible, right? Because you'd take away any fraud basically because what it is, is the university basically issues it onto the blockchain, it's, it's free and open to everyone, it can't be changed, it can't be whatever, and it's issued to Joe Garner, and it's tied directly to you, and that's the publicly available information. And then Joe Garner owns that, the, owns that diploma. And so if someone's like, okay, Joe, what, what college do you go to? And you go to your employer, you're like, Delaware. And they're like, cool, can you just give us the signature of where it is on the blockchain? It, it, we wouldn't use those terms, but it would be some sort of like interface that does it right, and then they could do a check without having to like go to the university, call up their people, whatever. I know there's third party services that have created whole business models on this, but you don't need to have a middleman for this, right and so like the same concept of a diploma could be the same concept for like we're a verified organization that has a verified class that you verified we took, and then boom, and you just start accumulating right and and it and, and I think what it does is it breaks the barriers of like well, this is my building and you have to pay rent in order to get in the door, right? We'll call the building like becoming a doctor, right? And there's like only like five buildings that are like good for you to go to, to do it. And now all of a sudden you got the guy down the street is like, well, I've been doing this for forever many years or I'm educated in this. Like now I'm coming out with like a 3D printer to create a building really easily for you basically, right? if you want to use an analogy. And you can spin it up and it has the same structural soundness and all that stuff to it. Now you just have the ability to to give people more access. So um, I think that what you're bringing up is like really powerful. And it's something that takes the trust out of the equation. No longer do I have to trust you that it's, I don't have to trust you. Don't trust, just verify. Because if you have the information there, you can tell me whatever you want. I could go back and do it, right? I'll, I'll just give one quick snippet, which is really interesting. I was working for a like a very small venture fund that was like looking at blockchain technology for climate and you know i was running ops for it so i wanted to use nfts since it was web3 right and what we did was every single lp which is a limited partner they're the ones that fund it basically they all got an nft that represented the portion that they were in for Hmm. and then every single person who went out and found a deal And every single person that then researched and made sure it was a good deal diligence that I gave them an NFT as well. It's like with the name of the deal and all that stuff. Like think about these investment banking guys that have these things on their desk, like these little prizes on their desk. Right. It's one of those, but digital. Right. So that way, like imagine if you were the person that went out and found Google for a venture fund and like you were the one who researched it and brought it to your things and your partners invested in it and they made billions of dollars, they became famous. Well, now you can say, like, I found Google and I researched it and I can prove it to you. Boom, there you go. So there's a guy that came around two days ago and he's like, hey, met this guy at a conference. He says that, like, he's an investor with you guys uh, and like that he hadn't heard of us. And I knew the guy. He was scouting some deals for us, but he wasn't scouting their deal. And so I literally went to the guy and I was like, oh, really? Well, I can prove that he's none of those things because I can show you the entire roster of who our LPs are, and I can prove that he's not one of them. And I can also prove that he was not the one that scouted that deal. And now all of a sudden, to do that, I have to show him a database and do a thing and all of that stuff. But now I can do it publicly, right? And so that's where this is like, you don't have to trust, you just have to verify concept. Hmm. And I think once we break through that door for the killer mainstream use cases that people are seeing it, I think it just becomes a rushing waterfall. because. There's so many things we've taken for granted in this life, or have just dealt with operational complexity. Because it's like, well, this is the best we got. This is how we got to do it, right? Um, and so I, I'm I'm really excited to see that future come in because it's going to make our lives easier too. It's going to cut out a lot of the bullshit.
0: Yeah, it's the whole idea, you know, of what the computer did to, you know, what IBM did to businesses. You know, mm-hmm. you, beforehand the the largest, you know, you had like Ford, these massive companies, and they had literally a person to do every single aspect of that business. Somebody needed, there was somebody that went to the post office and bought stamps for Ford so that they could mail all their letters. And, and it it was like, and that worked. That was, that was a part of, you know, the evolution of business. And now, you know, with the computer, it just eradicated all those simple tasks that we needed to do that we needed to pay somebody to do. Um, And then this, this next one, it, it, really brings it all together, right? So you have the ability as as a very small portion of a company to actually receive the dividends of your work mm. based on how well that company does, right? And not in a, okay, now you have to buy a stock of the company and right. do that. I mean, essentially, right. that's what you're doing, that you're buying a stock of the company by buying into a Dow or buying into a... Um, well,
1: be careful with that. The SEC is... Uh figuring that out right now. <laughs> and uh it's it's different in a sense, but right. I can I can talk about that.
0: Okay. You're buying a portion of the um the idea of the business instead of yeah. you know, necessarily a stock or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you're basically you're coming in and you're saying and and it depends. Like some I think a lot of the reason why the NFT space went like this. Is because people were buying in, expecting value in the, um, in the expectation that what they bought would go up from a pure speculation standpoint. Right. And I think the paradigm that's coming right now that I'm starting to see is I buy in and when I buy in, I get immediate value and then everything else is gravy, right? So I'm not buying as a speculative thing. I'm buying because I know that there's something on the other side right away for me. And it's also an indication that I've joined, right? So like, I think there needs to be for this to work an immediate value or a very short-term consistent value that comes. Um, Because yes, it can be transferred, it can be sold and all of that stuff, great. But um, I think it's it kind of, um, um, it kind of, boils away the true importance, which is really kind of that anchor and that identity that you've joined into something, right? Exactly. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's I think that's what that's what companies are now looking for. They're looking for mm-hmm. this social proof that people are buying into their idea. And that's yes. where Magnetic comes in. So walk us through just a little bit yeah. of what Magnetic does.
1: Yeah. So um Magnetic in the simplest terms is an all-in-one platform that helps brands connect with their community of consumers. Um, sometimes we use the term superfans. Sometimes we use the term like most value consumers. But what we're really trying to do is give them mechanisms to create engaging activations and programs to connect with the top 10, 20% of their consumers. Um, there's a crazy stat out there um, that's like, you know, 80% of your profits come from 20% of your customers, right? And you know, the rest of them are kind of tourists, right? They're just trying your product or you know it's there in the store, so why not? And then you have the people that are like, oh no, like, this, is my, this is part of my habits, my ritual, right? Like if, if you're using some sort of physical good or consumable good or something like that. And it's like, great, I wanna learn more about you, right? I don't wanna learn about the guy that just picked it up to try it or whatever. Like I wanna convert them, and that's a different channel, right? But I want to be able to learn about the people that are like, keep the lights on for me, right? It's almost like the analogy of you hear these actors and these musicians go up on stage when they win an award and they're like, I wouldn't be anywhere without my fans, right? Businesses should be thinking about it the same exact way with these people who are evangelists for your product. But I walk into a room and I'll talk to a client. I'll be like, so do you know who your top 10% of consumers are? And they're like, yeah, we think it's this demographic, this, that. I'm like, no, 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 not like that. You know who they are,
0: like the person
1: who they actually are, what they're into, why they love your product, right? That kind of stuff. And then that answer becomes a little more foggy. And so what we're helping companies do is we're giving them all the tools to do things that A, get their consumers excited, B, help them feel like they're doing something exclusive and they're being seen, heard, all that stuff. And at the same time, they're now generating and can put breadcrumbs out there to generate insights about what makes them tick, right? And so not only are you engaging them more that will likely have them spend more, tell more about it to their friends and all that stuff and create marketing opportunities, but you're learning now about what makes your core consumer tick in a way that's more intimate than the other ways that you're using right now. And it's all in one place. So you can, you can do a you know, you can do like three different activations that are three different spaces. One's an in-person event, one's a new product launch, and another is like an affiliate program. And whereas you'd have to use tooling for each one of those things and try to piece it together with a spreadsheet, boom, one thing, customer profile. Hey, Joe is engaged in all three of these things and he's a super fan. Like we should probably get to know Joe a little bit.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, I think that's yeah. going to be have huge implications for companies that are interested again that have a purpose and want to know about their customer. Right. Because I, I feel like a business that is, you know, super concerned about just just the bottom line, making profits, it's like mm-hmm. they don't necessarily care too much about their customer. Yeah, they want to know that they want to engage and and maybe they'll see the transactional value in that. But right. for companies that are that have that purpose, that have that vision, that have that, you know, vision of a better world this is something that, that can really uh, tie in their community and, yes. and be such a leveraged um, asset for the business.
1: Especially these, um, you know, it's it's easier than ever to start a business and it's harder than ever to be successful because when you lower those barriers of entry to like, anyone can go and create a Shopify store now. There are lots of companies now and services that help you stand up different products and everything like that. Um, and so, and then, and then distribution, you can get your stuff out there, but what does that do? It makes it harder and harder to stand out. So even though it was easier to launch and that's now harder to entrench yourself and build that base and build that audience. So what do you do? Well, you find the people that you're able to influence early. You raise them up kind of like I built my Twitch community, right? I bring in some people, I raise them up into, Hey, you'd be a moderator. You moderate my chat, whatever. Like you tell everyone about it. And then that's how you grow, right? Because you're not doing it based off like, oh, I got pushed an ad and I saw this thing, so I'll try it. It's not billboards and broadcasting anymore. It's about emotional connection now, right? And building that strong base that's not going to go anywhere, right? I, I use this analogy because it, like everyone will get it. And it may be controversial, so brace yourself. But like, that's what makes Donald Trump Donald Trump. He has... You can call it whatever you want. He's got a base that's like 40% of the party. And he mm-hmm. said it himself, I can go out on the Madison Avenue and shoot someone in the face and people would still vote for me. Right. And I don't think he's wrong. Right? And you know why? Because he does the things that makes people feel like they're part of something, like they're in it. He does these rallies that are crazy like events in off cycles because he's giving, he's learning and knows what his base wants. And he's basically hyper delivering it to him, right? And then from here he can he win. I'm not gonna go into political strategy, but like that is the thing that when I say that, people are like, Oh, yeah, holy crap. Like, what business wouldn't want their, their, their Swifties, right? Like Taylor Swift has or their K pop, right? Mm-hmm. Where like anyone goes after them, they just like launch into like creating spam on social media to like drown it out, right? Um, and those are the type of emotional bonds that we want to help companies create with these experiences on Magnetic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we we do as a society have to be kind of careful that we're not mm-hmm. guided entirely by our emotions as well. Because True. then you then you become this, you know, kind of reactive state. And that that's something that that, you know, again, we can we can see where it's playing out in politics and in, yes. in in everywhere. And scared. it doesn't seem to be a positive thing for society. So, mm. again, this is where we have to kind of rise above and and stop putting our power in other people and realize that the power mm. lies within inside of us. And community in, like in, in collective, the collective community. Exactly. But, you know, I think yeah, I think you also have to be aware that that when there is a a a head of a community, right? That that person has a lot of power. So mm-hmm. when, a, when a decentralized community comes together and nobody, everybody's acting as a separate part in this larger organization, yep. that's when you truly have these these transcendent companies or these transcendent ideas or these transcendent, um, you know, DAOs or, or whatever ends right. up being that thing. It's not that there's one person, there's not a Donald Trump, there's not a Taylor Swift, there's not a Kanye West that's at the top of these communities. The communities are self-sustaining. And yes, Yes. like you said, there needs to be a spark. Somebody needs to spark that idea. But, you know, once that spark happens, they kind of fade away, they move out, they go go do their own thing. And chances are they benefited immensely uh, from that being the spark. And as you move out of that, you know, you go retire and and do whatever the heck you want for the rest of your life. But I don't know. Some people are just driven to be the focus of attention, and that seems to be what's creating a little bit of tension in the world around these communities because yeah. it, people don't feel empowered; they feel just connected to, oh, well, you know, Donald Trump's going to solve all my problems, or right, right. Kanye West is going to solve all my problems, and and that. That is a disempowering perspective to have as a human because you have to realize that all the answers and everything that you want in your life lies inside of you. It's not Mm. the other way around. Anything in the external world is just a guidepost to help you find your truth, your existence, your purpose here in this reality. And that is what needs to be kind of driving people's decision making. I th- I I think you're spot on, and I um
1: I definitely used the Trump analogy just to showcase kind of the the concept of what he's doing. Right? No, exactly. Um, yeah. but just but like you're spot on because like it again, it goes back to um like the whole dream thing where there was a start, and then the most beautiful of communities are the ones that kind of rise up and like. It's an empowering thing. It's why a community is so powerful. You can literally empower people to take on roles and get cheered on and, and like collectively raised up by a group of people. Because everyone's benefiting, right? That person's getting more experience, they're learning. You have supportive people that have put you there. It's not like you're getting hired in from the outside or something like that. Um, and everyone below you is benefiting because now you're create you're bringing some sort of a structure of value to that community. Um and then it's just a, it's a circ it's the circle of life, right? Like you're not going to do that forever and you're going to figure out who the next person is and you bring them up. And as the community grows, you just have more and more of a pool to do. And so um, it's, um, what were they called? Um, like Visa was built as a company, uh, a chaotic organization, they called it. Mm-hmm. The concept of a chaotic organization. So it's not like, it's not total chaos, but it's not super structured or something like that, right. right? And it has like certain principles to it. I gotta double click on it and go back and read about it again. But it's it's an interesting concept that we've definitely gotten away from.
0: No, and this is what uh I think Netflix and um uh other companies that that when you have a purpose in your company, mm. you don't you no longer have to have the hard touch of of management. You can have right. a soft touch of management. You can allow people to to use their creative abilities because all humans are creative. Everybody's yes. a, a, Everyone is attuned to some type of transcendent aspect of themselves. We're all very creative beings. And when we can use our creativity all together and creating these new different things in a, a bit of a structured way, that is when the the speed at which the change can happen so fast it Mm -hmm. it happens you know faster than anything you you look at you know netflix's rise from complete obscurity in what was it 2004 or five they started putting out their the the red uh, the little boxes yeah the boxes yeah yeah and then in four years they were now mailing them out and then in and three years after that they were streaming everything. And it mm-hmm. was it, it, it didn't happen because there was one guy at the top of that company that was just directing it. It was because they had these decentralized aspects of their company that were able to really move quickly. Yeah. Imagine being
1: on Netflix when you're like literally just doing boxes and you're like, That's an interesting concept. Maybe it'll go somewhere. And that's like Netflix, like completely yeah. wild to think about it in the in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, with all of that, because um you're right, like it is the power of like how organizations run, like I used to look at company mission statements, and I used to just kind of like roll my eyes right, right, and I think to an extent, I wasn't unjustified for doing it. because it's not always about what you say, but it's about how you execute on it. I was talking with a guy who was advising. Some companies on DEI, right? And you started seeing a lot of these companies probably like five years ago. They started to bring on like um, chief, uh, you know, culture officer, or chief uh, diversity officer, right? Like these kinds of things. And you have to ask the question, and we're seeing the answer to it now. By the way, now that everyone's having to trim the fat, are they doing it to check a box, or are they really permeating it through the culture? And if you're not deferminating it through the culture, don't even bother because we're human beings are not stupid. Your employees are not stupid. The people on the outside world are not stupid. If your senior leadership and everything circling down from the top is not going to implement these standards and everything like that, then you're then you're literally just chasing a trend, right? And then what did we see? We see like all of these chief diversity officers are getting cut from these companies because It's not something they truly valued. If you truly valued it, you wouldn't put out a press release. You'd go to your HR team, you'd talk with everyone internally and say, these are the things we're going to do now, right? And so when I see those things in the press about ESG, DEI, I believe in those things. I think that they should be implemented, but I question it when you're using it as a PR thing, right? right? Because like you're saying, I think we both believe you will get a thousand X more value if you actually just behind the scenes implement it. Because like you said, you're going to have alignment with your employees. They're going to feel more empowered when they come in. They're going to work harder for you. They're going to think outside the box, all of those things. Right. So like, there's a reason these concepts exist and why they're valuable, but I don't think the majority of companies out there have figured out the implementation and why, right? right. Um, which is, which I think is really interesting. And that should be interesting to see how that evolves Unless it's like pendulum swing all the way back, which I certainly hope doesn't happen. I don't think it will. Um, and just fig- and I think over time, it kind of heals and figures its way into the organization.
0: Yeah, I think that's the value of having the pendulum swing so quickly because you have the memory of both sides of it, mm-hmm. right? You have the memory of what it was like before there was any DEI. And then you right. have the memory of when people were just checking boxes for DEI. And now it's like, okay, well... The humans that are alive right now have seen both sides of it. So yeah. they can they can now make this informed decision that here's maybe a good idea of what the proper balance of DEI in the workforce does and the economic value that it brings to your your community. And again, businesses are just another form of community.
1: Yeah. When run the right way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I think it's it's scary to be in a a system where the pendulum swings back and forth and back and forth so much. And that's why we're seeing all this chaos in the world. But through that chaos is birthed this this much more diverse, this much more informed, this much mm-hmm. more, um, I, I think, harmonious society that we're yeah. moving towards. And and that's that's why we're all here. From my perspective, from a spiritual perspective, everyone that has incarnated on the planet right now did so because they knew that there was going to be this massive amount of chaos and distortion and shift and change on the planet. But we're all here to experience that because at the soul level, we believe that we're capable of experiencing this. We're, we mm-hmm. believe that we we can be the ones that make it through this chaotic period in humanity and get to a point where we harmonize with each other. We realize we're an aspect of a greater whole and we build the systems that incorporate that, and that—that's just you know, again, my spiritual thesis, basically. Yeah, but it's you, um, uh, it, it's powerful.
1: Have you ever? Um, I think we've all experienced this. Like, have you ever had that friends who on social media, like, they're posting views like all the time that you're just like, man, this guy, or this girl, they're an asshole, like, whatever. But then, like, you're at a wedding. And like they're there because you have mutual friends and you're like, oh, what? but then you start talking to him. And you're like, oh, yeah, I, I I, don't mind this person. I like this person, actually. Like what is going on with me? Right. And it's because of like a lot of this, the way that we have this kind of freedom to say things in a way where we can sit behind it and not have to face the person that we're saying it to really changes a lot of this stuff. Right. And I think I'm trying to tie it back to all of like, the, the kind of like spiritual like harmonious stuff you were talking about there. I think that like we need to get back, we need to create a digital state of you meeting that person at the wedding, mm-hmm. right? Do you get what I'm saying? Where like, because the, the way it is right now is just bad behavior and people can get away with it, right? Because there's no accountability and, um, it's not clear how the words that you're saying are impacting the people that are reading it because it can be asynchronous. It's like all of this stuff. Yeah. Whereas if you're saying that to me face to face, like you see my facial expression, you see my body language, like all of that kind of stuff. I'm not saying we all have to go into the metaverse tomorrow or something like that. But like, um, I think that there's ways for us to like build a better mousetrap, right? In terms of how we communicate online. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be a big step because it's not going away, right? The, uh, the genie out of the bottle at this point. Right. So instead of just complaining and bitching about it, we should be finding ways to, uh, improve on that and bring us back to that deeper connection.
0: If that yeah. Makes sense. I would reframe that as we don't necessarily need a technology to get us in the same room. We just need an understanding that we are in the same room. That <laughs> like just that. because you're uh, on the other side of a computer screen doesn't mean that you're not existing in the same reality that I'm re- existing in. Right. So let's reframe it from, oh, I'm just typing t- into this computer something that might be harmful or hateful. It's like, no, I'm actually speaking to other humans on the other end of this. So uh, I don't think we need to build a new technology that mm. that makes people realize it. We just have to make people realize that when you are on the internet you are talking to other human beings you're not talking to bots and and that's the only reframe that we need we don't need the you know i don't think we need to go into the metaverse for us to realize mm-hmm. that and, and even even if you get into the metaverse right? right you know you're you're looking at a conceptualized idea of that person you're right. not actually looking at that person you're looking at you know a lion head with with zebra feet and whatever that it could could
1: get really cool though
0: you know what i mean oh it could definitely (laughs) and i think i think there's a value proposition for the metaverse like if you want to have face-to-face conversations with people like sit down in a boardroom with other people in the metaverse that that i see the use case for absolutely but as far as trying to get people to understand that when they're on the internet, they're talking to other people. I don't know if that's the right use case necessarily Mm. for Mm. it. So we just have to, we got to change what our beliefs are in the fact that we are not separate beings from each other, but we are all a part of this greater whole. And that's the reframe that needs to happen.
1: I, I agree with you largely. And so like you define the problem where it's like, uh, a new thing got introduced. We're still getting used to it, and we need to realize that it's just an extension of our human likeness or our human our humanness, right? Um, which I I agree with. Um, I also believe that changing hearts and minds it's a grind, and we can get there. But I also believe there are ways we can we can implement accelerators that don't hurt the the broader mission as well, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the way. I look at some of these problems as well and it's like okay like you have the problems of trolls and bots and all that stuff so how do you solve that problem like actual validation where those people get kicked and clearly we haven't solved it at scale right and so like is there some different way to look at this problem to be able to do that stuff and then you just start hitting the different things that are like creating out influence on bad behavior for us right and figuring out like are these are these systematic things? are these like individual players like trying to do that stuff, and then figuring out because if it's systematic, it's hearts and minds right right? But if there's other types of things that are coming in where people are understanding the rules of the game better than others and using that in a detrimental way, I'm not saying change the rules of games, I'm saying like arm the other people to understand the game to make sure that we can you know progress together because we'll go the path. Of forever changing hearts and minds that's what we're gonna do right and it it empowers you right it helps you wake up every day because every day you create someone who understands it the way you do it's it's an amazing feeling and just wants you to do it more and more and more um, but I think that if we want to see lots and lots of change in our lifetime i' am also of the belief that some of these accelerators like used in the right way can really help us get there faster so
0: we're we're on the same
1: road we're just kind of like.
0: slightly different like waggles right (laughs) and that's the cool part about this we get we get to do all these different iterations and try them at scale and see what does work what doesn't work and as long as as long as profit isn't necessarily tied to that, yeah, right. making money is, but like the idea that we have to do this and make profit and do that, like right. we can have all these different iterations and the money will flow to the ones that have the best ideas, the best systems, the best, the, the most creative ways to solve these problems. That's right. The, the, the best ways that are changing the hearts and minds of people, so...
1: The one creating human value will get monetary value.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. As, as long as it's open sourced and decentralized, as long as people aren't hiding behind, you know, these just checking boxes and saying, oh, we are doing this, but right. in reality, they're not, you know, they're and then still... you open
1: the curtain three years later and there's an expose by the New York Times. Like, oh, they said they did this and did the exact opposite. Right. Like how, how many times have we seen that story before? Yeah. It's like exactly. a tale as old well this time. Like.
0: It is. Well, Tyler, this has been a, an enlightening conversation. I hope that my listeners get a little peek into the idea behind what Web3 can be and not necessarily what they're hearing about on um, most platforms and yeah. most news stations. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about the community aspects of both your personal life and you know what you're working on right now. So if... Um, People are looking, if, if this strikes a chord with somebody and they're like, I want to build my community using Web3, where can they find Magnetic?
1: Yeah, so uh, you can go to our website, uh, magnetic.xyz, magnetic with a Q, right? Um, we have an Instagram, uh, magnetic underscore XYZ, uh, LinkedIn, or you can contact me, Tyler at magnetic.xyz. Happy to have a conversation with anyone. Um, it's one of my favorite parts of the job, actually, is figuring out like what people are trying to build.
0: Beautiful. So I will go ahead and put those in the notes uh, section for everybody so they can see. And Tyler, it's been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. I'm glad we were able to connect and do this.
0: Thank you again for listening to Changing the Channel with Joe Garner. If you enjoyed the show, please follow the podcast. Hit the bell to know when a new show comes out share with a friend, and rate us on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It helps get these messages out to more people to create the collective shift in reality we are here to experience. Make sure you interact with the Q&A and poll sections of the show so I can continue to provide content you enjoy. Finally, check out my website in the show notes to become a VIP of changing the channel and join the shift that is happening.